Good morning. Welcome to this worship service of Ada First United Methodist Church. My name is Reverend Brandy Rigsby, and I know I was gone for a little while. It wasn't that long, but I am so happy to be back with you this morning to see your smiling faces and to know that I was missed just a little bit. So I appreciate that. We had a wonderful vacation. Our family did a two-week road trip up the coast of California. And then we, were, we heard there were reports of Canadian wildfire smoke coming down this way, and we really considered staying. But <laughs> here we are. So we had a great time, and I appreciate all those who offered leadership and shared their gifts over the last two weeks. And even this Sunday, to Pastor Phil, who will be sharing the message with us today, and our brass ensemble as well. I want to thank everybody. Um, David Now, who preached on Father's Day, Dave Lusk, who preached last Sunday, and so many others who led in so many ways. Thank you all so very much for your, your leadership over the last couple of weeks. As you might have noticed, we do have a special musical group with us this morning. Uh, you all know Roy, and Roy brought along some friends. Our brass ensemble this morning, um, Roy, Tim, Elisa, and Brian, we are very thankful to you for sharing your gifts of music with us this morning to enhance our, our praise today. So thank you again. Just a few other announcements and reminders as we get started. Please remember to check our church webpage and Facebook page for ongoing announcements and updates, especially as we move um, further into the summer, as we get close to VBS and then the school year starting. Any updates, um, special events that we have happening, you will find those in those two places. Mentioning Vacation Bible School, that is just around the corner, July 10th through 14th from 5 to 8 o'clock in the evening, we will have our Vacation Bible School, our Faith Lab Science VBS. We did this one five years ago, and it was a blast. We had Professor Proton, also known as Mr. Dave Lusk, who shared some experiments up here with the kids. Um, no major explosions, but, you know, some small ones to get their attention. But we had a great time, great leaders, and we're excited to do it again as some of our kids have aged and new ones coming in. We know they're going to be very excited about this. So if you are willing to help out, we can always use extra hands. Um, I know there's probably still some supplies that are needed. And the biggest thing will be next Sunday, July 9th, after the worship service. If you are able to stick around for just an hour after the service and help us turn this church into a science lab, we would definitely appreciate your help as we begin hanging all the decorations. So that's next Sunday, right after worship. And then July 10th through 14th from 5 to 8 o'clock. If you have a child, grandchild, anybody else, any other children you know who might be interested, please get them registered through our church website. Also, our food pantry here in Ada continues to experience a high volume of needs. And some of the um, specific items that are running low right now, spaghetti sauce, dry pasta, canned soup, beans, and jello. So while you're out at the grocery store, if you're able to pick up any of those items, of course, anything else you can donate. We have a grocery, store, a grocery cart downstairs in the fellowship hall. You can leave your items there and we will make sure they get delivered to the food pantry. Finally, on this weekend, as we celebrate our Independence Day this coming week, I wanna take a moment to pause and to offer God our words of blessing and prayer for our country and our freedoms. Will you please bow with me as we offer these words. Almighty God, you are the giver of all good things. We thank you 
for the majesty and the beauty of this land. They restore us, though too often we seek to destroy. And for that, O oh Lord, we pray that you will forgive us and heal us. We thank you, mighty God, for the great resources of this nation. They make us rich, though we too often exploit them. And we pray that you will forgive us and heal us. We thank you, God, for the men and women who have made this country strong. They're models for us that though we often fall short of them, we will seek to live up to them. Lord God, may you inspire us. We thank you, Lord, for the torch of liberty which has been lit in this land. It has drawn people from every nation, though too often we have hidden from its light. And so we pray, O oh God, that you will enlighten us. We thank you, Lord, for the faith that we have inherited. It sustains our life, though at times we have been faithless. And so we pray, O oh God, that you will renew us. Help us, O oh Lord, to finish the good work that began in Jesus Christ that has been carried on from generation to generation. Strengthen our efforts to blot out ignorance and prejudice, to abolish poverty, to hasten the day when all your people, with many voices and one united chorus, will glorify your holy name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now, friends, May we lift our hearts together to offer our worship to our risen Lord. Will you join me in an attitude of worship?
if you will please rise as you are able as we join together in our call to worship. Come, people of God, the abundant grace of God is offered to all of us in Christ Jesus. Gather to receive that gift and remember how best to use it. We cannot live by bread alone. Life is intended to be more than food. Let nothing distract you from that intent. We have assembled that God may speak to us. Sovereign One, who knows us as we are and loves us still. And now as we join together in our opening hymn, number 98, To God Be the Glory.
first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, is what I have. What's your preference, Phil? (laughs) All right, I'll read what's on the screen. (laughs) My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Someone might claim you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice and faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble with fear. Are you so slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? What about Abraham, our father? Wasn't he shown to be righteous through his actions when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? See, his faith was at work along with his actions. In fact, his faith was made complete by his faithful actions. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and God regarded him as righteous. What is more, Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that a person is shown to be righteous through faithful actions and not through faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute shown to be righteous when she received the messengers as her guests and then sent them on by another road? As the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Mount up. 
I'd like to invite our children forward as Miss Wendy shares our message this morning. see fireworks last night or sometime? Did anybody see fireworks? Yeah? Did you? I saw them last night here in town. Did your fireworks look something like this? Let's see if I can get the first picture up. Did you, did you guys see fireworks that look like that? Did you guys see some that look like that? No? <laughs> well, so I was shopping the other day and I came across some fireworks that when you set them off, they made animal shapes in the sky. Can you believe that? I was like, oh my goodness. They made bunnies and cows. I thought that is going to be amazing. So I had to get them and I wanted, I think I got a couple of really good pictures of them. So I wanna share them. So if we could put the next picture up, aren't those amazing? Yeah? You guys wanna see another picture? Okay, let's see the third one. What do you think? Are you guys impressed? Is not. not impressed, huh? <laughs> well, what would make my pictures better? What do you think? What would make my pictures better? Fireworks, right. Like if I had pictures of fireworks that were shaped like bunnies and cows, would you guys be pretty impressed? Uh, right? But when I bought them, I had faith that they were going to be amazing. So I, didn't, I just figured, yeah, I, I mean, I was satisfied, right? They're amazing. But you guys can't see that, can you? You can't see how amazing they are because I didn't do what? What did I not do? Shoot them off. <laughs> Shoot them off. Take a picture of it. I didn't do anything. I just had faith that they were going to be amazing. And if I don't do anything, how is anybody going to see it, right? So that's kind of what our Bible story today says. It says, you can have faith, you can have faith in God, and if you keep it to yourself, no one's going to see it, right? So we have to do something with that faith. And when we have that faith and we do something with it, people can see it from miles around. Can we put up that picture one more time, the first one? When we do something with our faith, it's like fireworks in the sky. Everybody can see it, and the more actions that we do, the more people will see it, maybe for miles around, maybe tons of people will see it. So it's really important that when we have faith in God, we have to do special things, like come to church, or maybe we pray for people, we bring people food. That's the way we show people our love and our faith in God. Can you guys say a prayer with me? Dear God, please deepen our faith so that we can project our love for you and that you can project your love for us to everyone. 
Amen. today comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 15. Jesus traveled among all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were troubled and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. He called his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to throw them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent these 12 out and commanded them, don't go among the Gentiles or into a Samaritan city, Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. And as you go, make this announcement, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sickness, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. You received without having to pay. Therefore, give without demanding payment. Workers deserve to be fed. So don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on your trips. Don't take a backpack for the road or two shirts or sandals or a walking stick. Whatever city or village you go into, find somebody in it who is worthy and stay there until you go on your way. When you go into a house, say peace. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't worthy, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or city. I assure you that it will be more bearable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than it will be for that city. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Bill as he shares our message this morning. I want to thank Brandy for sharing her pulpit very graciously. Uh, many of you know that I'm a car nut. My vice has anything to do with automobiles. 
my own, we own a pair of older Cadillacs that we like to sh take to shows. And in fact, we just returned Wednesday from two weeks in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, to the Grand National Cadillac and LaSalle Club show. And uh, I, I am their, their uh, Grand National chaplain, if you will. One of the things that is stressed at a lot of shows is that the cars should be driven rather than trailered. Unless, of course, the cars are very old and very, you know, it won't, won't run. I've also seen some shows in which some of the most beautiful cars, though, were trailered in. I call them trailer queens. I have a friend who has a 1928 Packard dual cow phaeton. He keeps it uncovered in his garage. He covered, he always covered in his garage all week long. And every Sunday, he takes the cover off, he starts the engine, he polishes his car, but he never gets it out of neutral gear. He trailers the car to a show every once in a while, and it's admired by all, but he never uses the car for what it was intended, to be driven. He never gets it out of neutral gear. But I also know a woman who always drove her 1941 Chevrolet to the Bluffton Automobile, uh, uh, Bluffton, Ohio car show every year, one of the great car shows around. She drove it from California every year, a 1941 Chevy. That was my first automobile, by the way, when I was 15, was a 41 Chevy. But it struck me that uh, the fellow with the Packard is how many people view their religion. They go to church on Sunday morning, they put on their Sunday best, sometimes, and they go to church, and they go through all the motions, but they never get their religion out of neutral gear. Their religion is all pretty and shiny and something to be admired, but never used. It never goes anywhere. They never get it out of neutral gear. We're taught to be cheerful givers, yet what sometimes bothers me about some of the so-called charity functions is that they're often designed more for the wealthy to show off their wealth rather than showing a genuine concern for the recipients of that charity. I, I call that one Band-Aid Christianity. We're more, out, more apt to pass out Band-Aids at the end of an alley full of glass than to get into that alley with a broom and clean up the glass, or take a stand against the conditions which lead to an alley full of glass. Bishop Desmond Tutu, one of my heroes, said it this way, we're so busy pulling people out of the river downstream that we fail to go upstream to find out why they're in the water in the first place. 
And now we see many immigrants crowding our borders and trying to cross to the Rio Grande, which goes through Albuquerque, by the way. And all someone wants to do is build a more and bigger wall. We need to get out of neutral gear and go upstream to find out the reasons why the massive influx of people at our door. Many trying to escape crime and corruption and poverty. In Matthew's Gospel that Brandy read this morning, we first see Jesus in action, teaching, preaching, healing. And then he gathers his twelve and commissions them for their task of discipleship. He tells them to hit the road, shake the dust off their feet, get it out of neutral. Jesus empowered his disciples for ministry and remained with them as the source of their direction and strength. In this manner, the disciples became Christ to others, and that's what it means to be faithful followers and to get it out of neutral. Jesus did not make plans or set up committees for an organized church like Methodist. <clears throat> He sent his disciples out to heal the kingdom, that the good news is preached to the poor. And don't waste your time where you're not welcomed. Jesus, the good news, is not just a palliative, because he knew that the starving person is ill-prepared to receive the good news of God's love when hungry for food. In verse 38, Jesus says, pray therefore the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The prayer is not to be a substitute for labor, however. The disciples were to be reapers as well as praying people. They were to travel light, don't carry a beggar's bag, don't accept copper, much less gold or silver coins. And when you're not accepted, don't waste time Go somewhere else. I believe that one of the uniqueness and strengths of the Methodist Church historically, and one of its more difficult procedures, is the itineracy program. Methodist clergy were sent out to preach and to teach and to heal, and they didn't have much time to collect gold or silver, maybe a chicken or, or two. They didn't have time to get all puffed up with power and prestige in a big mega church that they couldn't get their religious religion out of neutral gear. There is mention in the passage of, the, of Matthew of the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. The major New Testament references to Sodom and Gomorrah really focus on the issue of hospitality or lack of hospitality, not with the hot sins of sexuality that so many people focus on today. The real sin was lack of hospitality to strangers. The inhabitants of these cities were not very hospitable to their visitors and to their guests. And Jesus knew that he was sending his disciples out as sheep into the midst of wolves. So he warned them not to spend too much time in places where they were not welcomed. The disciples were 
were to rely on hospitality, that is the kindness extended to strangers. If they received this hospitality, they would evangelize. If not, they would shift gears and move on. The passage from James's letter is a classic scripture dealing with faith versus works. Actually, I don't see these two as dichotomous at all, but two aspects of the same thing. One is just as empty without the other. But this seemed to be a major issue in the early church. There appeared to be many different views being preached at this time. There were those who presumed that faith is all that is essential for salvation. But Jesus said, judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. These are strong words of James, who attacks the notion that confession of faith guarantees salvation regardless of the conduct of behavior. The recital of a creed does not make a person acceptable to God in spite of one's behavior toward others. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. You've got to get it out of neutral gear. Of course, there were those who were arguing for works righteousness. Keep the law, obey the commandments, do all the right things, and you'll be guaranteed salvation. I call that merit badge religion. This is also not legitimate Christianity. This is what Martin Luther argued against, the selling of indulgences and works righteousness. We are saved by faith, not by work, Luther claims. But then there was John Wesley, who took issue with this one as well. According to Wesley, we are saved by grace and by grace alone. Nothing we do, nothing we say, nothing we believe, nothing we deserve or will guarantee our salvation, only God's <clears throat> unfailing grace. It's interesting also to note in James' <clears throat> letter, he makes reference to the work of Rahab. If you all remember who Rahab was, Rahab was a prostitute who spied out the city of Jericho for Joshua. And Rahab is also one of the four women listed by Matthew in the lineage of Jesus. Because she was a prostitute, many would automatically rule her out with respect to God's grace and God's salvation. And again, our society sometimes directs its sternest condemnations against the hot sins of passion, but at the same time often condones the coldly calculated selfishness and greed with those who keep within the law. One cannot go to church in their Sunday best, but remain ruthless in their personal ambitions, or bigoted and prejudiced against a particular group of people. Jesus encircled the outcast in a sweep of God's grace, but a great many people have been estranged from his church by the snobbery of pious churchgoers. You've heard it said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Actually, this 
is attributed to Jesus in Acts 20, 25. But I also believe that it's sometimes easier to give than it is to receive. It was Christmas, 1983. Bitter cold, light blowing snow, below zero temperature. Christmas fell on a Sunday that year. Our car was only three years old and it enjoyed a warm, cozy garage out of where we lived out in the country. By now you know that I wear my ego too much on my cars. When they fail me, I take it very personally and with great consternation. <clears throat> anyway, the story. <laughs> we drove to church as was our custom and we were planning to leave right after church to drive to LaDonna's family, her parents, and spend Christmas Day with them. Only when we left the church, our car wouldn't start. It was frozen, frozen solid. I was distraught. I was devastated. Our minister at the time, Bob Verstig, immediately offered one of his two cars. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't borrow somebody else's car. But he insisted, and it was, only, it was our only option. So I swallowed much pride, and we spent a lovely Christmas day with LaDonna's family. Bob got it out of neutral. Bob got it into gear. Our society makes it so difficult for people to seek out and receive help from others when we are in need. We're supposed to be self-sufficient and capable of meeting our own needs, and we tend to have negative views of people on welfare, moochers, lazy loafers. We live in a society that insists that we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But I am reminded of the, speech, of the talk by Martin Luther King when he was on ONU campus in 1968. Some of you might remember that. I don't know if you're old enough. Um, but he said this, it's hard to pull yourself up with your bootstraps when the world won't let you have any boots. I'm also reminded of the Amish who gather from all over to rebuild a barn or a house lost in a fire or other catastrophe. They don't need to carry insurance and the recipients are not made to feel like scum either. They get their faith out of neutral and they put it to work. Which gets us back to the issue of faith and works that go hand in hand and cannot be separated. What significance has membership in a church if one does not honestly seek to live in accordance with the principles upon which it is founded? It's like what, exactly what Wendy said this morning. With faith in Jesus Christ, one would want to behave accordingly. Faith apart from works is not work. You've got to get it out of neutral. True, St. Paul did say that we are justified by faith, that all we really need to do is respond wholeheartedly to the love which God has freely offered us. 
God is not a bookkeeper who keeps score with our good and works and our sins. But for Paul, faith is not just a belief in God, nor is it a profession of a set of doctrinal beliefs about God. Faith is a personal response in genuine gratitude to the grace of God which Jesus proclaimed and manifested in his life, his death, and his resurrection. It is a relationship of trust and loyalty, gratitude, affection, and good works. If I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am what? I am nothing. Even Paul knew that faith does not work in neutral gear. Anyone who has faith in God who is in a right relationship with Jesus Christ will demonstrate the reality of that faith and the relationship by conduct which is consonant with that faith. Yes, we are not saved by either works or faith alone, but by grace. And faith, no matter how pious or how pretty on Sunday morning, is worthless unless you shake off the dust of your feet, you hit the road, and you get it out of neutral. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, merciful Father, loving Mother, we come before you once again this day to offer our praise and thanksgiving. We give thanks for the opportunity to gather and worship on this morning which you have provided. Keep us ever mindful of the needs of others, that when we eat, others go hungry. When we sleep in warm and secure homes, others are homeless. That while we have our health, others are afflicted with various maladies. That while we have our freedom, others are oppressed. Keep us ever mindful that our work represents your love made visible to those around us. We pray that you will inspire us with a vision of your realm of heaven, that you will give us the energy and joy to get our lives out of neutral gear, to run with perseverance the race you have set before us. And we look to Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> thank you. I want to say thank you again to Pastor Phil for sharing that message with us today. As we consider those words, words that grace, by grace alone we are saved, John Wesley also believed that communion was a means of grace, a way by which we not only remember the sacrifice and the gift that Christ made for us, but a way that we receive that very grace. So this morning, we have the privilege to share together in this sacrament, to remember what Christ did for us, and to humble ourselves to receive this gift. So I'd like to invite us all this morning to follow along on our screens as we share together in our Liturgy of Holy Communion. Would you like to join me, Phil? Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, all who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. 
Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. You have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, and free us from the joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And the Lord be with you. And lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ, his baptism, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, the church was birthed. And, and we were delivered from sin and death. And with us, God made a new covenant through water and the Spirit. And for all these things, with all the company of heaven, we praise God's name and we join the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread, he gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ, Christ has died. Christ, Christ is risen. risen. Christ, Christ will come again. again. Mighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. And by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. 
as I remind us each time we share in the sacrament of Holy Communion, that as United Methodists, you do not have to be a member of this church or any church to receive these elements. You simply come with an open heart, a willingness, and a readiness to receive the gift of grace that Christ offers each and every one of us. If you're joining us from home today, I would like to extend that invitation to you as well. You do not have to have juice and bread, but simply water, crackers, whatever you have, a reminder of what Christ has done. And we share together as one body the breaking of one bread and a reminder that we are one people in Jesus Christ. I also lift up to you today, we do have some of the individual communion cups present. These have been blessed. These have been shared together as a community. And this coming week and in the weeks to follow, Colleen Marshall and Dave Lusk, who serve as our pastoral care associates, will take these out to members of our church who are not able to be here those who are in the nursing home or homebound or simply just unable to come this week, they will receive this sacrament as well and also your prayers and your blessings go with them. So in a moment, I would like to invite John and Kathy Smalley up as they will serve as our communion stewards also today. Phil and I will share with them first and then we will have two stations at each of the front corners. You will be invited to come forward and as Phil shared, sometimes it's easier to give than to receive, but today you will receive the bread and the juice. You receive this gift of grace from Jesus Christ.
At this time, we want to take a moment to pause, to recall the gifts and the graces that God has poured out on us, and to offer back to God just a portion of so many things that he has given. We offer back all that we are to the work of God's kingdom. I'd like to invite us to stand and to sing together the words of our doxology, Praise God from whom all blessings flow as we receive our gifts and offerings. this time of prayer, may we come with open hearts. May we come with open ears. May we come ready to hear God speak to us. May we come offering not only our prayers for ourselves, but for one another, even for those we do not know around the world who are in need, in need of God's grace and God's salvation. Will you join me in an attitude of prayer? Holy and mighty God, we come to you today. We come to you today having heard your word, your love, your call. We thank you for speaking. We thank you for seeing us, for really seeing us as your beloved children. And today we pray that we may also seek to see you to see you in the world around us, in the faces of all your children. Today and every day, O oh God, may our hearts be open to your presence and to your grace. But though we seek to be in your presence, we recognize that sometimes, Father, we turn away from you. We confess that too often we focus so much on ourselves on our failures, our feelings, our merits, our shame. And we refuse the salvation that you offer us so freely through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you will forgive us. Forgive us when we forget the comfort of your love. Forgive us when we forget our fellowship with your spirit. Forgive us when we forget the tenderness and the compassion that you have called us to show to the world in need. Forgive us when we care so much about ourselves that we forget to love our neighbor. And in doing so, we forget to love you. Almighty God, take from us now all hatred and prejudice and discord. Remind us that there is one body 
and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God of us all. Forgive us, redeem us, and sustain us. And now, Father God, we come humbly before you to lift up the names of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We lift up Robbie McCurdy, the 21-year-old grandson of Bob and Marta McCurdy, who is awaiting results and a possible leukemia diagnosis. We pray for Robbie and Chris and all of their family as they offer their support and care to Robbie in the days ahead. We ask, O oh God, that your spirit of strength will sustain them and that your hand of mercy will rest upon Robbie. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, we also lift up those today who are dealing with illness or injury or pain. We pray that your hand of healing and a spirit of peace will fall upon them. May our prayers be a reminder that you are always near to those in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We lift up those who are traveling this summer. May your hand of mercy be upon them, bringing safe travels, bringing rest and renewal. Lord, we pray that your presence will be near us all during these summer months. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We also lift up today Shirley Chambers and Tom Cassell, Nancy Fleming, Tom Evans, Linda Epley, Nancy Allison, Gary Clausen. We lift up to you, O oh God, all those whom we carry in our hearts day in and day out. Father, we pray that your spirit will be at work bringing peace and comfort. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We thank you, Father God, for hearing our prayers. We thank you for seeing us as your children. And we thank you for filling us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we pray that our hearts will burn with your love, that we will be bold in our call to reach out to your people, to bring mercy and justice into the dark places of our world, and to live as beacons of hope everywhere we go so that your kingdom may come and your will be done. All these things we pray in the name of Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray to you by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
And now I invite you to rise as you are able and we'll join in our closing hymn, number 413, A Charge to Keep I Have. today are from the funeral of Christo Boyajev, who was buried, or whose service was celebrated on Friday. Um, We need to keep Irina and the family in our prayers as well. I was driving back from Albuquerque in Illinois and got a call on my phone, and would you be willing to do Christo's funeral? And so we arrived home on Thursday evening, and I did Christo's funeral on Friday. But uh, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful family. So keep them in your prayers as well. Jesus chose ordinary people as his apostles, tapping abilities that they did not know that they had. As Jesus sent out his first disciples, the church gets us out of neutral gear and scattered us out for service in the world. So go in peace, and may the peace of God go with you all. Amen and amen.